You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger to anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbing and Matt Smith. <laughs> well, we're back again. Just about, just about back. And yeah. welcome to the Plane Talking UK podcast. This is episode number 77. Wow. And... Uh, it's uh, Carlos here, and I'm uh, joined by Matt in, uh, well, in Matt's conservatory studio. Indeed, yes. I, we're going to have to get a little bit of a move on, actually, because I'm a bit concerned that the sun's going to go down before oh, we finish. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's no lights in the conservatory, so uh, no pressure, everyone. Let's uh, let's get stuck in. Shall we uh, Shall we bring the cameras in? Yeah, bring the cameras online, there and we've, we got, go. uh, we've got some listeners in the chat room this week Excellent. again. And uh, so hello to, hello to, here we go, go at the top of the list here. So we've got uh, Matty Fabs in the chat uh, Chat room this week. Hello, Matt and Tony S. Uh, hello to you, Tony. He's uh, he's in Teesside in the UK here, mm-hmm. and we've also got Masha Gertz. He's joining us from the Netherlands. So hello to you, Masha. Um, uh, there we go. So yeah, we've got a few people in the chat room. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. we need we need some more. So go and grab some more people. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. Oh, Tony said he's lost audio, but don't worry, Tony. The audio will come back. That was when we uh, faded the microphones down. I hope so, anyway. we'll, we'll be back. We'll yes. be back. Don't panic. <laughs> I, can, I, I can see it moving up and down here, so it's hopefully okay. And of course, let's not forget. Yes, we this have week. We have got a very special guest joining us in the uh, virtual studio online yes, this week, indeed. and uh, he is the host of the Maiden Flight podcast, uh, another fantastic podcast available on iTunes, which you can download. So, joining us via the realms of Skype, welcome Mark Maiden. Well, hello, Av Geeks. How are you doing? <laughs> hey. And how are you on this sunny evening, Mark? Yeah, doing doing okay. Mind you, it's a bit manky over here in Dublin now. There's, it's a uh, whole blanket of rain has, has fallen now in the last couple of hours. But it's looking better for tomorrow, which is a good sign because I'm going flying at one thirty tomorrow. Really? Oh, are you lucky? Yep. <sighs> yep. Yeah, it's all lined up, so hopefully I'll be getting off uh, flying again tomorrow. So okay, what what, uh, yeah. what are you flying tomorrow then, Mark? Uh, I'll be flying uh, a 152, Cessna oh. 152, oh, okay. and uh, hopefully this will be my second uh, solo cross-country. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. So you've had I know you you were telling me earlier, Carl, that you've you've you uh, managed to fit a solo cross country in. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an un, un, un uh, scheduled uh, cross country solo, but yeah, it was it was a mini cross country solo. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. No, I'm just trying to get my head around all that navigation stuff, Mark. As we were saying, <laughs> oh, no. um, I may have to Skype you at some point and. Um, uh, rack your brain as to how to use the whiz wheel. Quite right, yeah. Yeah, the triangulation of velocities and all that sort of stuff. So, huh? Oh, huh? <laughs> you know the wind arm. Okay, yes. <laughs> so anyway, this is episode number seventy-seven. It's time to get uh, underway. Yes, so, uh, yes, we must if, do. Uh, let's get let's get some news done, shall we? Commercial first. Yes. So uh, we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the UK and the world. So if you're ready, Matt, uh, as ready as I will ever be, and if you're ready, Mark, I'm ready. Let's go. You're listening. No, actually, no. Let's get let's get the news feed right. Oops. (laughs) 
So, kicking off this week's news after playing the <laughs> beginning so jingle, I know. <laughs> Done well there, didn't I? So, no, no, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> so, the first news story this week then is on the Belfast Telegraph website. And uh, a British Airways uh, aircraft early this week um, hit the news after an uncontained engine failure led to a quite serious fire. And this was on the ground at uh, McCarran Air International Airport in Las Vegas. Uh, the aircraft in question was a uh, British Airways Boeing 777-200, and uh, it was carrying 157 passengers and 10 crew. Uh, the, uh, all the crew and all the passengers uh, evacuated the aircraft um, using the slides, and um, 14 of those people were taken to hospital with minor injuries, mostly caused by sliding down the inflatable scoot, uh, chutes uh, to escape the aircraft. The captain uh, who was in charge of the aircraft at the time, Chris Henke uh, from Reading and Berkshire, uh, has over four decades of uh, flying experience with BA. And uh, his uh, ex-wife, Marnie, who is a former cabin crew member and whom he has a daughter, expressed her relief that he and the rest of the crew had got out safely. So the airport released a statement in which it said uh, it was first alerted to the emergency at 4.13pm local time. And within five minutes, everyone was off the plane and the blaze was extinguished. Um, if those of you on YouTube, you can go on YouTube, not now, not the ones who are listening, but you can go on YouTube and listen to the uh, the actual recording from um, liveatc.net of the uh, Mayday or the, the uh, radio call that the pilot gave. Oh, wow. um, the, uh, the, the plane obviously... Um, it was in in the process of taxiing, ready for takeoff. So right. the engines were sort of spooling up quite uh, yeah. fast, and this thrust, engine failure, um, catastrophic engine failure, which Ooh. happened, was um, well, it it caused a lot of damage to the uh, engine casing, mm. which obviously parts of the engine. Uh, must have embedded uh, parts of the wing because obviously there was a fuel leak which couldn't then cause Gosh. the fire, which was quite that actually was quite a serious fire. Mm. The pictures I saw on um, on the media stations and that were were of an Pretty aircraft horrific, looking yeah. very uh, very sorry burnt for itself. Indeed. I think yeah. Um, I personally, I think this is going to be a write-off. This was one of uh, BA's older seven triple seven two hundreds. Yeah. Uh, it was quite an old aircraft. Are they phasing those out now anyway? Uh, they're starting to get rid of some yeah. of the older ones. When this, this one was uh, uh, first flew in 1999. Right. Okay. So it's got a few years. A few miles, yeah. yeah. Um, the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board in the US, is conducting an investigation into the incident, and they're going to give, uh, obviously, the UK side of things, the AIOB, full support in the mm. investigation. Um, one of the... Uh, pictures that i saw on social media sites twitter actually yeah. was this one and um this was of uh, passengers um escaping the slides uh, or escaping the aircraft down the slides with um cases and hand luggage um, what i thought you were supposed to leave those behind i know i know mark did you see those pictures yeah. i yeah I, I, when i saw this news item coming up I, I that was the first thing that came to my mind and yeah. I, I don't mean to be cynical and everything but like gosh the amount of pictures going around of people with their bags there was one picture where i think there was maybe seven or eight people in the frame and probably seven out of the eight had their hand luggage really? with them yeah and uh you know you just, you just need to get out of there yeah big time. god yeah that, that, well that that that's very very foolish i mean that's one of the things that when they do the little talk isn't it before they even start the taxi and all that perhaps they haven't finished the talk maybe they were in mid demonstration when it was oh, oh alfie excuse me excuse me <laughs> that'll be the rottweiler 
Somebody's come to collect a parcel, I should just uh, explain. Okay. That's what set the dog off. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll press on regardless. Yes. Uh, okay, on to the next story. And uh, uh, it is on the uh, uh, Travel, Travel Mole website. And this time, uh, it's uh, along the similar lines, I think. Uh, is it? Um, BA Fire reports... Report finds multiple breaches of the engine case. Initial yeah. findings of a report on the fire of a British Airways plane in Las Vegas earlier this week suggests engine parts flew out and landed on the runway. According to the US's National Transportation Safety Board, there were multiple breaches of the engine case in the area around a high-pressure high pressure compressor. Uh, it um, oh hello what happened there sorry <laughs> it said uh, the examination of the material covered from runway found uh, several pieces of the high pressure compressor spool around seven to eight inches in length initial examination of the airport by the NTSB revealed that the left engine and pylon uh, left fuselage structure and inboard left wing airplane airplane sorry were substantially damaged by the fire says the report this damage will be documented over the next several days dr colin brown from the institution of mechanical engineers told the bbc that a fatigue crack was the most likely cause of the broken high pressure compressor spool he said that if this part is found to be relatively new and recently checked, this could ultimately ground aircraft with similar engines whilst they are checked for possible problems. Uh, if an engine breaks, the casing is supported to prevent any metal parts flying out and damaging the rest of the aircraft. Flight 2276, a Boeing 777 bound for London Gatwick, caught fire on the tarmac at McCarran Airport, uh, International Airport, on Tuesday with 157 passengers, including one infant and 13 crew on board. Data from the flight data recorder, cockpit voice recorder and quick access recorder are now being downloaded and the engine is being shipped for close examination by experts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a huge investigation into this. Mm. Um, um, Matt, uh, Matty Fabs is saying on there that the aircraft has been written off. Has it? Uh, no surprise there. And um, we also point out as well, like Matty says, the, um, the, the captain of the aircraft was so calm when he gave the, uh, the call yeah. on the radio and stuff. And uh, according to a lot of the reports I've read as well, um, as Matty said as well, that uh, the whole evacuation process was really really well you know, executed by yeah. the um, cabin crew but um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, they they come up with with the investigation into obviously the engines on this uh, aircraft yeah. and um, it's interesting I mean obviously sometimes these things happen to, to engines but I think the really interesting thing they're going to look at is is why it, it, it wasn't contained because the mm, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the shell of the engine the, the outside is meant to contain any sort of uh, catastrophic failure within yeah. the engine so the fact that parts came flying out from mm. that is uh, is kind of worrying have you ever seen the video on on youtube of where they do i think they call it a blade separation test yeah something like yeah that. i've seen that one yeah yeah oh it's unbelievable mm. like you see the shell kind of rippling as, as a, the thing explodes it's amazing oh, wow. but everything gets contained so i think mark at the time this happened i mean the engine must have been quite a quite a high power um mm. for that i mean I, I don't know how how they i mean how much they test the engines as mm. to the speed of the spool and stuff rotating whether they're um yeah. they're tested to maximum throttle to uh, test the actual separation oh, you know issues yeah. but i think that, yeah i'm pretty sure they do and uh, and it's just that uh, i mean they're really blessed that this didn't happen maybe about 30 seconds oh, later you blimey. know after yeah, yeah, when yeah. they were taking off you know that could have been really nasty mm. 
It's amazing. It's amazing, really, and and it does show. I mean, I, I, I'm sure. I, I, again, I read somewhere. I mean, the, the speed that everybody was taken off the off the plane was, was yeah, within, almost yeah. record breaking, wasn't it? Even I mean, even though they were carrying their even their though they were carrying off. their hand luggage, yes, well done, everyone. <laughs> yes, and I tell you another thing as well is is amazing the amount the amount of photos that were taken. Mm of people who were not that far away from the aircraft while they were evacuating, turning around, taking selfies of themselves, standing <laughs> standing behind a, no, an aircraft not, that was on good, fire. It's not good, is it? No. <laughs> Just crazy. <laughs> you, you, you really don't know what to say sometimes, no. do you? So next story, we'll leave that one for you, Mark. Yep. Okay, uh, this is from the Daily Record. And this is Scott's holiday flight to Tenerife diverted after 14 passengers wreck havoc on board and threaten flight crew. Oh, great. A holiday flight to Tenerife had to be diverted to Portugal after 14 passengers were accused of threatening the cabin crew. The men travelling from Glasgow, or Glasgow, as they say up there, (laughs) were were thrown off the Jet2.com flight and banned from the airline for life. The aircraft was due to land in Tenerife on Friday evening, but it was forced to make an emergency landing in Faro on the Algarve as the men's behaviour got worse. Portuguese police boarded the jet and marched them off. A spokeswoman for Jet2.com said, The Glasgow to Tenerife flight diverted to Faro on Friday evening so the airline could offload a group of 14 disruptive passengers. Their behaviour towards the cabin crew got so aggressive and verbally abusive that the cabin made the immediate decision to divert for the safety of both his team and the other customers. The group were escorted off the aircraft by police in Faro, and the flight continued on to Tenerife. Jet2.com has issued all 14 passengers with lifetime bans and is working closely <laughs> with the authorities who are investigating the incident. You see, now the worrying thing is, is uh, anybody who's been listening over the last few weeks will realise we seem yeah. to have more and more of these stories. I don't know whether it's just because the media have now sort of picked up on and it. quite a few have been with Jet2. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I, I guess if, if you are going to the likes of Ibiza and Tenerife, mind you, Tenerife is not exactly somewhere where you go to, you know, to, to go out on the lash, as mm. it were, is it? I mean, that's not... Uh, oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a worrying state of affairs, is it really, isn't it? But um, I've, I've, I've personally never had any issues like that one on any flights I've been on, no. Mark. Have you had any uh, unruly passengers on any or... Uh, uh, I've had unruly babies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but not 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 adults. No, mm. no. And I guess I guess you know you're so you're so trapped in this in this tube. Mm. So uh, you know I guess people probably get you know very nervous when people start acting up and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Like I, th- I think it's, was fourteen it's, of them as well. You know. I know so. that's that's just, just that's just terrible because not only do you ruin yeah well you ruin yourself really, but you you completely ruin a lot of people's holidays, especially if the plane's delayed. Yeah. But um, well, oh, there you go. You know, it's they're banned now. Yeah, that, I, that would be. I but it, it, the, the the sort of the lifetime bans and that don't seem to be That's only acting, for Jet Two. For, yeah, only mm. for Jet Two. I think mm. I think it's a bit like I mean in this area. I think I've mentioned it before. In this area, the the, the pubs and things, you have what they yeah. call a pub watch M- ban. Uh, Matty Fab, banned, I know about that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And if you're banned from why why is he on the list? <laughs> 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 if you if you're banned from one pub, you're banned from all. And you know, I mean, we operated that system in all all the the, 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 the two or three pubs that I've I've managed in this area, and you've always participated in the pub watch ban scheme and and mm. i think maybe these airports need the airplanes need oh, let me try that again the air carriers mm. need to operate a similar scheme so if you're banned from jet 2 you're also banned from easyjet and ryanair yeah. and 
and mm. all that. That's not a bad idea if they brought something like yeah. that in, because that would definitely persuade, or that would definitely, you know, Well, it might, it might act out. as more of a deterrent mm. than, than basically just banning them for one carry, because you think, all right, well, I'll go with Ryanair, they're cheaper. You know, it's just, mm. I can almost hear the conversation now, you know. What do you think, Mark? Ban yeah, for six yeah, months? Yeah, I, I, I think that might be quite a good idea. And, and maybe what they could do is they could have a, um, a ban that happens across all airlines, but maybe do it like the point system here with the road here in Ireland where you get two points, but mm. then after two or three years, mm. it, it drops off again. So you get a chance to, to go again, but if, if it happens yeah. again, you're completely banned. Actually, uh, Tony in the chat room has just made a very, very good point. He said they don't mind selling the booze on board, though, do they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Which yeah, is a very true. good point, actually. Mm. <laughs> so I hadn't thought of that, you know. I, I, although I think, to be fair, especially at their prices, but uh, I, I think the problem is actually more the fact that they're getting on the plane tanked up, aren't they? Before, yeah. you know, which is the same problem we had in the pubs, as I'm sure Matty will, will agree I, I, with me. Half the problem is is people would arrive in the pub already drunk because they've, you know, to, to, which you don't blame them for to try and make it a bit cheaper. But uh, you know, half the problem is people are arriving drunk, aren't they? I, all the times we ever fly, we never get a chance to drink because our flights are always early in the morning. Right. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> although I have been known, to, I have been known to sit in the lounge at uh, Stansted and have a um, uh, an, a um, an Irish whiskey. <gasps> an yes. Irish? Well, yeah, good choice. Obviously, yeah, I'm sure Mike will highly approve of that. He would. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so on to the on. next story. Yes, on to the next story then, and on the travel. Uh, news site uh, this is the independent travel news site and the headline first look Ryanair's new uniforms and their Irish designer mm-hmm. and uh, we've got a picture there we'll put that on the screen in a bit uh, Ryanair has released the first photos of its new look uniform to roll out across all flights from December this year the uniforms created by young Irish designer Emma Colopy I'll probably Mark's here. He'll probably pronounce that a lot better than I would. Uh, feature, I think you're good. I think you're good. Okay. Uh, feature a darker shade of blue and a new golden yellow and a smarter tailoring than current designs. The classic meets contemporary look also features neck scarves, PVC belts, and eye-catching overcoats set to cut a dash on the runway. Uh, they needed to be modernised a bit sharper and more tailored, uh, Colopy told Independent Travel this afternoon. Um, I put in golden yellow details like the scarf trims on the pockets and there's a yellow flash in the vent of the skirt. So you'll see that when the women walk. Why me? Uh, the new uniforms also feature a yellow mac for female staff, which one aviation writer suggested could uh, do double duty as a safety feature on the tarmac. Oh, yeah. it pr- it's uh, probably my favourite piece because it's so identifiable, Calopy says. Mm. Uh, the 25-year-old graduate uh, just last year from, or graduated just last year from Griffith College in Dublin, and uh, three three weeks uh, before graduating, uh, I was contacted by Ryanair to see if I was interested in working on a new project. She says it was crazy and completely out of the blue. Uh, for graduates, it's very hard to break into the Irish design industry or even get a job. She explained this was totally unexpected. Colopy, uh, who hails from Dublin, has also worked with, uh, with the Patent Design Studio and Helen McAlinden and describes her designs as really feminine silhouettes, simple shapes created using high-quality materials. Um, I mean, the story goes on here. We've got... Mm. Um, it says over 100 million people will view the new uniforms on board Ryanair flights uh, in the next year. 
which she says is insane. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, the, the suits yeah, there. Just, there just we bring, go. Like we we'll just put up that. to the top here. Here we go. There's a yeah, there's screenshot there for do. those of you yeah. watching in the uh, okay, chat room. So we'll put that on for you now. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's the, the uniform's definitely better. I mean, the, the uniforms that they have now, I think, are, are so bland, and they look like they're made out of plastic. Yeah, they do almost, a bit, don't they? Yeah. Uh, a bit yeah. sort of polyester Very quite retro, almost, yeah. isn't it? It's got an old... An old, an old and I, I do think, Mark, yeah. I, I think it's about yeah, that, time that they that's did... That's kind, of kind of what I was thinking as well. They're kind of a bit of a throwback to the 50s, almost, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. But I, th- I definitely think it was it was due, I think, um, Mark, for the, uh, the, uh, the upgrade in uniforms. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's all part of their new image. Oh, you yeah. know this. Uh, you know what is it? Their nicer image to people. So yes, I'll be always getting everything. better campaign. Yes. Oh, you know it. Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm quite regularly, and I'm going to get told off by your friend for saying this. I'm quite regularly reading stories where they have actually failed when it comes to that particular category. Oh. Actually, just going back to what we were talking about a moment ago with the alcohol thing, Matt, Matty Fab has put in the chat room another good point. Uh, People don't realise how the effects of alcohol are multiplied when an altitude... Very true. ...and then suddenly it hits them as they climb up, which is a good point. Sorry, going back to the uh, mm. the previous story. Uh, Tony S has also said the new uniforms are very snazzy. Very snazzy, yes, yes they indeed. are. indeed. Anyway, on to next the story. next story. This is on the Travel Mall website, and the headline is BA announces new Dreamliner routes. Um British Airways' new 787-9 Dreamliner will start flying to Abu Dhabi and Muscat from the November the 5th, it announced Ooh. today, with a new first-class cabin. BA 787-8 predecessor offers only economy, premium economy and business class. As the 787-9 is 20 feet longer, there is now room for a small first-class cabin offering 8 seats compared to 14 on other BA long-haul aircraft. Created specifically for the 787-9, the First class suites include four new storage areas and a new in-flight entertainment consoles. BA confirmed last month that the first route to benefit from the new aircraft will be Delhi in October. December will see the new 787-9 start flying from Kuala, uh, flying to Kuala Lumpur. Uh, February will see it operating to Austin, Texas, and May it will be seen travelling to San Jose uh, in California. There we are. That's awesome. I'm because one of the places that we're thinking of going back to next year mm. to see our friends again is Oman, and obviously Muscat being the airport there. Ah, right. Yes. Um, not sure how the prices will compare to Emirates, who is who we normally use to fly to Oman. Right. But uh, that would be it would be nice to fly, definitely fly on the Dreamliner there, cool, yeah. uh, if possible next year. We'll <laughs> see what the price, how the prices come up with. That would officially be amazing, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah. It would, yeah. And the, uh, the the Dash Nine, I I love the Dash Nine. It looks amazing. Mm, yeah, it, it just the extra stretch in it looks fantastic. I mean, you can see on the picture there, Mark. You've probably got the picture there. Obviously, you've got the same as, uh, feed yeah. as us. But the um, the look, YouTube, the first class now. cabin there on the Dash Nine. I mean, those seats and the the whole well, the whole cabin just looks amazing. Yeah. Looks amazing. Very classy. And I love the way they've put the um, they put the emblem, the royal emblem, at the back there. Yeah. And they've got the lights, down lights on the actual um, the, the emblem itself. So it all you know, it all looks very. Oh yes. Looks very. Can't nice. beat a nice coat of arms, can mm. you? In, in in the back there. Mark, oh, have awesome. you have you had a chance, Mark, to to uh, try, uh, sample the Dreamliner or? No, I haven't. 
I haven't even I, I've, I've seen seen one fly out of Dublin and that's as close as I've got Ooh, done better uh, than us then <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I'd, I'd love now to take a trip in one I believe mm. I believe all the um, the ambient light and you know the change in the cabin pressure mm. and everything it's mm. lower cabin pressure it's meant yeah. to be fantastic so yeah no I'd love to love to get on one of them now Anyone listening from uh, BA, please feel free to get in contact with us and uh, offer us uh, a, a free flight. A free yeah, flight. We'll we'll, great, we'll, yeah. we'll publish the flight and Very everything. It'll be so, it'll yes, be famous. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll be fam- famous to a little select group of I know, uh, I know. you know experts, shall we say? I should just explain while we move on that uh, the Y cam, as you probably notice, is a bit jerky. There's a very good reason for that. Oh, God, here we go. Yeah, no, so I'm dobbing dobbing <sighs> it in. He forgot to bring the other nice camera, so yeah. we're having to use a very just a one I had kicking around, so it's uh, apologies. We're, n- we're we're not using Hands the wide up. shot shot very much today. No. So anyway, uh, Mark, if you wouldn't mind, the next story. Um, yes. Yeah, so the next one is on this cabin as well. Will I do that one as well, or will I oh, go on to the Stansted monthly that's numbers? That's it. Yeah. Stansted. Okay. Here we go. So this is from Travel Weekly, and uh, Stansted monthly passenger numbers remain above two million. Passengers using Stansted topped the 2 million mark for the fourth consecutive month in August. Wow. The average load factor hit a record high of 93.5% last month as more than 2.2 million people passed through the airport. This represented a rise of 9.7% over the same month last year and gave Stansted the busiest August since 2008 and the 17th consecutive month of travel growth. The total number of passengers flying from Stansted in the year to August rose by 16.3% to more than 21 million. This is claimed to be the highest annual rate of growth of any major UK airport. Managing Director Andrew Harrison said the significant growth in traffic at Stansted continued at great pace during August and saw us top the 2 million passengers a month total for a fourth month in a row as well as as enjoy our 17th consecutive month of growth. Underpinning this sustained period of growth is the record number of passengers on each flight in and out of the airport. An average 93.5% of all available seats were occupied during the month, an all-time high for Stansted. Yeah, that's definitely something I've noticed on flights now over the last number of years, that Mm. there'll be times in the past where you'd get on a flight and there was a few free seats around. You get on a flight every now and again and there'll be loads of free seats. Now you get on a flight and they're nearly always completely full. Yeah. So airlines are really making use of their planes now at this stage. But that's Mm. amazing to see Stansted grow 17 months in a row. Yeah. Well, it's close close for us, uh, Mark, Stansted. It's Mm. not not too far. It's about about an hour and a half, hour and three quarter drive for us. Right. It's a really nice uh, airport to fly Mm. from. It is. For definite, for sure. Um but you tend so that would be one of the one of the it would be easier and nicer to fly from there than say Heathrow or Gatwick. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally only an hour and a half for here, as where Heathrow is a good. Well, he, even in the car, it's a good what three three and a half hours, yeah. I'd say, um, from uh, here. Yeah. So for us, it's it's very very close. But uh, I think I think we, we it's not just Stansted though, is it? I mean, if you look at numbers across the the board with all the major airlines, I mean, uh, not the airlines but with all the major airports, uh, and numbers are going through the roof the whole time, aren't they? Mm. They are, yeah. I think I think the whole industry now is is taking off. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive the pun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's very encouraging, and and um, I think there'll be there'll be jobs for pilots there now. 
Carl, if you're interested. Yeah. Yeah. I've, do you know what, Mark? I've, uh, I've, I'm, I'm trying to find that hundred thousand pound that I need oh. to, uh, to to get the commercial side of things. Under the other mattress. Yeah. No, we've we just brought a new one of those, and that nearly no. cost that much. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh dear, dear. So moving on then yes. to our next story, and this story is on the. Oh, here we go. The STV News site and uh, the headline, Airline Launches New Service for Scots from Glasgow to Las Vegas. I I bet that, sorry, just just bring that picture up before you move move on. I I bet I put large sums of money on the fact that that photograph was not taken in Glasgow. Yeah, I I kind (laughs) of, yeah. People look too warm and non-shivery in order to be. (laughs) I think that's that's what that is. I think that's, uh, that's one of uh, Virgin 747 400s in that shot there. Really? Really? Yeah. That's what you're looking at? Really? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> sorry. I should have, been, should have been looking elsewhere, obviously. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're right, obviously. So the story then. Uh, the airline Virgin has announced a new service from Glasgow to Las Vegas. Uh, Virgin Atlantic has launched a new flights for Scots holiday, make, uh, holiday makers travelling to the city on America's west coast. The September and October flights will take more than 400 passengers to Nevada each week. Stephen Marshall, marketing manager at Glasgow Airport, said this is fantastic news for the Scottish travellers. Las Vegas is considered uh, the entertainment capital of the world and is an extremely popular destination. This new route from Virgin Atlantic is sure to be popular with our customers. And we are very proud to have strong such um, uh, brands such as Virgin uh, Atlantic operating from Glasgow Airport. Uh, the airline's Florida service has grown in popularity every year since launching in 2007, and we are confident that Las Vegas will prove to be equally successful. It comes uh, after it was announced for the first direct air route between Scotland and Bucharest will take off next year, and that's uh, with Wizz Air that that mm. flight. You know, but uh, it's great news, this one here. I mean, there's, um, so, there's so many airports around the UK now that you can actually get to uh, Las Vegas from direct, yeah, which, is, which is really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matty Fab has uh, pulled you up on one point. I should okay. just stress. Oh, blimey. Uh, he said, are you sure it wasn't an A340? It, do you know what, Matty Fab? <laughs> he, he actually could be right there. Because I, I, yeah. I was looking at the, the wingtips. Obviously, yes. you've got the wingtips there. Because the uh, 747 has, obviously, the winglets on yes, as well. Right. What, what do you think, Mark? A, A340 or seven four? You know, when you said it first, I thought you were right, and then mm. when Matty Fab said it, I'm yeah. looking at and I'm looking at the engines, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'm going, yeah, I think yeah, it's a 340. Yeah, I think it's a 340. it appears that I'm the one in the minority here because, as I say, Matt's also said, then blooming women were stood in the way. Uh, <laughs> so there we go. It's all part of the fun. Uh, uh, he's, he's also asked me just while we're in, in the chat room here. Uh, he says, Matt, do you have any interest in learning to fly, as in me? Um, I think you should have. I, He'll come up with me. Really? Yeah, he'll come up with me at, at some <laughs> You're point. You're going to say, oh, no, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, dear. I think you should. Yeah, I, that, that, you know, I have, yeah, I I have this dream. as well. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know, I need I to. Think, I, I think Mark would agree with me here, Mark. You'd agree with me that, yes, that once, you, once you have your, once you have a taster, a trial lesson, you generally tend to want to have another one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. the, 
the problem the problem is for me it's like i can you know i can barely afford to run my car right now um you know it's just like well, how, how on earth am i going to be able to squeeze in because i you know i was very very lucky that i got to spend a little bit of time with your wife this afternoon which was lovely oh, no, yes. nothing she was at work and so yes, was I. Yes. don't panic um but uh uh the the topic of um you know flying and and the costs involved were um uh, a topic of very brief conversation all right okay i'll grill her on that when she gets home or when i get home no um, no, no no we were talking about it at seething weren't we it oh yes yes yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's just one of those uh it's a, a lovely idea i'd love to i really would love to mm. i mean it's just well uh, you'll, you'll come up with me perhaps we could uh hire the 172 and, and go over and see mark Oh, cool! Yes, let's there do you that. go. Yeah, that'll absolutely. be cool. How much money have I got to put aside for that? That would, that, <laughs> it, it, would it would, it might cost more than a flight with Ryanair. Right, okay, it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's a risk I'm willing to take, frankly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that note, uh, on to the next story, and yes. it is a Ryanair story. It is the Liverpool Echo is the source and the headline is Ryan airplane heading to Liverpool abandons landing after airport skywatchers uh, see unidentified flying object over the river Mersey oh no I bet this is, is this going to be a drone I bet it is uh, a plane heading into Liverpool had to abandon its landing after airport skywatchers saw an unidentified flying object over the river Mersey Ryanair 448 from Dublin was two miles from Liverpool's uh, John Lemon John Lennon airport last night when routine checks identified something in the sky the pilot of the Boeing 737 was told to perform a go around uh, when an aircraft on final approach to an airport abandons its landing after circling back over the Wirral, the flight landed safely at around 10.47pm. Passengers said the captain told them uh, the abandoned landing was because of a suspected drone, but a spokesman for Liverpool, John Lennon Airport, said nothing was found when further checks were carried out. As well as using radar, the airport carries out visual checks and said the go-around order was standard safety procedure. Airport spokesman Robin Tudor said, at the top of the control tower, we do visual checks. Looking around the airfield, uh, airfield and even at night time, uh, the guys are still there. They thought they saw something about a mile from the airfield on the, uh, on the mid to far side of the Mersey. There was an aircraft on approach, which was further away, but standard procedure is to check it out um, if we're not sure what it is. They sent somebody down there, um, but couldn't see anything. Uh, it can be uh, it can be things like flocks of birds, flocks of birds. But uh, we always play safe in these situations, and will always investigate. The Echo has contacted Ryanair for comment. In August, a flight from Liverpool to Bucharest was forced to make an emergency landing after suffering a suspected bird strike shortly after takeoff. Um, Although it's an unclear whether last night's uh, sighting over the Mersey was a drone, users of the hobby craft have previously been warned about flying them safely. In July, the Civil Aviation Authority said that the Airbus, that an Airbus A320's wing passed 6 metres or 20 foot below a drone hovering at Heathrow and warned pilots uh, could be prosecuted if they put the safety of other aircraft at risk. The authority has issued a set of safety guidelines which, it said, should help ensure drone flights do not impinge on other aircraft. It's, um, it is, uh, I mean, they are great things. I, I mean, I, 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 mm. I kind of sit on the fence with this one, to be honest with you, because a couple of my friends have got drones and uh, I've been out, been out flying with them. Um, they've been sort of flying them around and stuff, and especially mm. uh, a lot. Of, I mean, one one of the one, one of my friends has got one, and it's got like a screen and everything all built into the controller. 
Um, I've seen those and ones. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolutely amazing thing, but I, I think uh, perhaps the issue here is that people need to be educated about where best to fly them. I mean, my my friend would wouldn't dream of flying. My friend Rob wouldn't dream of flying anywhere that that, that could uh, sort of cause any harm. So uh, you know, a lot perhaps uh, that's the issue. A lot of the shows that I listen to, the podcasts that I listen to, um, the airplane geeks and uh, Captain Jeff over at the airline pilot guy. You know, they all agree on the, the same sort of similar thing that uh, it, it's um, it's only a matter of time before something happens that um, is, is going to be not not very good uh, with a drone and a, a an aircraft. Do you, do you think, Mark, as well? Yeah, I think it's I think it's inevitable, and I think and then unfortunately then there'll probably be some sort of knee jerk reaction yeah. um, against them. Um, but I, I think it is. A lot of it is about educating people about them as well because my, my son is interested in getting one for Christmas. Ooh. And the very first thing I said to him was, you better not fly it anywhere near an airport, you hear me? <laughs> you know, just, and he was like, oh, right, why? I'll fly it over the city then. And I'm like, you can't do that either. But, no. you know, That's frowned upon so, also. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah but, on, but yeah, I think it is a lot to do with education and mm. just making sure people are following. following I, 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 think they, I think they have a place, and, and, and what, what you can do with them is absolutely amazing. So, I mean, there is definitely a place um, for drones, and I think they're amazing bits of kit. But uh, as yeah. you say, it's, it is education, I think, isn't it? We've got I know uh, Pilot Pip's got, um, he's got a, um, a drone, one of the really nice, I forget which mm. one it is now, but he's got one of the ones with the HD camera and stuff yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, he, obviously Pilot Pip flies his in a completely well, sure, yeah, rural say, area, yeah, yeah. Um, being our safety man. Indeed, absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah. It, and, I, and some of the videos you get from them are amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful stuff. They well, it's a great... If ever you're selling your house, you want one of your mates to sort of, who's got one to come and sort of take some, some video, don't you, really, to sort of to, to, to sort of help you with the aid of selling it. Can I just point out that yeah. uh, Tony S. in the chat room has just I said you were that, that Carlos was right. <laughs> oh, Golf go. Victor X-Ray Lima Golf is Virgin Atlantic Airways Boeing 747-400. It's only because I've, well na- yeah, I've been <sighs> nagging at him all, yes, all day for forgetting yes, various yes, bits of equipment. Yes. He's, he's in the zone now. I still, actually, while, we're, while we're in the chat on, room, actually, on, we on. should say hello to Jennifer Parkinson. She's, yes, hello, Jenny. Uh, listening, sadly, only briefly because it's dinner time in Rome, which is where she is. Uh, so it'll have to be to listen to the podcast to get the full show later all the very best so hi from all of us here in the chat room and uh, online here uh, hi jennifer welcome thank you for joining us i think you're a first time uh, listener oh there's a ryanair flying over my house on its way to campino now no there jennifer parkinson's not a new listener she's she um, no she's the one who sent us the, the uh, t-shirt picture with the viewing flag oh, cool. yes yeah, jenny yeah yeah. yeah yeah new to the chat room then new to the new chat to room the yeah chat room. new to the yes, chat room okay. that's me in trouble oh yes. dear i don't know oh dear but uh, I'm, no oh, sorry, I'm reading the chat room. Who's reading the chat room? Who's <laughs> Who's go is it now? I've lost struck. my space. Um, it's. Um, uh, I think it's. Think it's my turn. It's yes. Mark's turn. Yes, good. Yes. Okay, okay. Here we go. So on the Flight Global site, which is an amazing site, if you are not on it, you need cool, to go yeah. to it. Absolutely. Uh, this is Air China to take China's first 242-ton A330. That's so crazy. Air China will be the first Chinese carrier to add a 242-ton maximum takeoff weight Airbus A330 to its fleet. The aircraft uh, Dash 300 variant will also feature a special livery to mark the airline's 50th A330, says Airbus. Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database indicates the aircraft registered B, sorry, Bravo Dash 5977 <laughs> is scheduled to be delivered in mid-September. 
Air China will own and manage the jet. The Star Alliance carrier currently operates 339 aircraft comprising Airbus A320 family jets, A330s, Boeing 737s, 747s and 777s. So this is the this is the new A330, right? This is the one with the is it it's an increased maximum takeoff weight, right? That is, yeah. I don't know whether they're yeah. cramming more passengers in. Oh, or, probably. Or whether it's a cargo <laughs> cargo um well, a, a passenger and obviously to carry cargo as well. So whether they're doing yeah. that or not, I don't know, but um obviously with a takeoff weight like that, mm. it's um it's, it's it's probably quite it's going to be quite a good freight carrier, I'd imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. Which a lot of um, lot of freight carriers at the moment, mostly of them, most of my triple seven freighters. Yeah, and is this is this different to the A three thirty regional one that they're producing, or is I, this the same? I don't. I'm not sure on that one, Mark. Not okay, sure on that I, one. Yeah, I think I think they were producing a regional A three thirty, and it was predominantly for the China market. Um, but I don't. I'm not sure whether this is the same one. Wow, hmm. could be wrong. I have, to, I have to say, look, look Air, at you with your well-researched knowledge. I know he's good. Yeah. <laughs> Air, uh, would you, Air China's um, Air China's livery is slightly, I don't know, bit, bit it's boring. boring. Bit boring. Uh, par- apparently, Captain, this is uh, Matty Faber saying Captain Jeff's uh, Acme Airlines were one of the launch customers for said said craft. Ah, okay, uh, okay. Well uh, done, well done. Indeed, I know we're being shown up by I everyone know. all around us here. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> uh, right, moving on then indeed. to the yes. next story. Here we go. And this one is on Flight Global site. And the headline, Airbus switches to Rolls-Royce for new Beluga engines. Those of you who uh, are geeky enough will know the Beluga. The Airbus Beluga is the huge guppy-type aircraft that carries around all the big parts for Airbus and uh, Airbus has opted to switch engine supplier for its new Beluga XL transporter aircraft. Uh, It's selecting Rolls-Royce Trent 700s uh, for the aircraft. While the current Beluga fleet, uh, based on the A300 airframe, is fitted with General Electric CF6 power plants, the Beluga XL will be developed from the A330. Uh, Rolls-Royce has become increasingly prominent on the A330 program and will be the exclusive supplier of engines through its Trent 7000 on the new A330neo. Airbus is creating the Beluga XL to supplement the eventual replacement of uh, its current five-strong transporter fleet used by the airframer to move large aircraft sections between production facilities. Rolls-Royce has confirmed the Trent 700 selection and adds that the $700 million agreement includes uh, long-term maintenance support as well. Uh, Beluga XL program head Bertrand George says the power plant is ideally suited to the new aircraft. Airbus is aiming to put the XL into service in 2019 and it's intended to assist uh, particularly with the ramp-up of the Airbus A350 production. Cool. So the Beluga, Matt, I don't know if you've seen one of these uh, particular aircraft, but the Beluga, the Beluga is the original one, which is based on the A300 at the moment, the older one, yeah. is, is a real strange aircraft to to see, to look at. If you uh, Google the uh, Beluga, the Airbus mm-hmm. Beluga aircraft, it's kind of like someone's got a passenger aircraft and put a massive uh, front end on, kind of... Uh, <laughs> To make it sort of easier to sort of think what it looks like, you'll have to you'll have to look at it on mm. Google, yeah, wouldn't you think, Mark? Yeah, it's a very interesting looking airplane, isn't it? Um, I'm, 
I, I was always I was wondering how long they would they would do with the the A three hundred airframe, but mm. I mean it's done them so well oh, yeah. over these years. But it's amazing to see the whole front opening up yeah. and a whole air a whole kind of airplane inside coming out. Mm. Like it's it's fantastic, really yeah. amazing yeah. technology. Yeah, Matty Fab was saying actually in the chat room just now saying I wonder if Rolls Royce will have a little boom in business, seeing as it was a GE ninety that was on the BA plane in Vegas. Oh yes, that's a yeah, good point, true. wasn't it? <laughs> true. Although, as Tony S has just pointed out, it does the GE ninety does actually have a very good sort of track record. So it's uh, yeah, and I think that was the one and only engine for the the triple seven really? as well. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't any op- other option right. other than the GE ninety. Yeah. If you remember back, uh, Mark, Matt, you'll probably remember this one as well. Mm. Do you remember not so many moons back, there was the uh, uncontained engine failure on a A380 Qantas? Um, yeah. Mark will remember yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, and that was a Rolls-Royce engine powering that. Re- oh, right, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, I mean, that, that made huge news. That, yeah. um, they had the, engine, the uncontrolled engine failure in flight while it was actually in the air. And um, it, uh, the, the the part, various bits and pieces that were, you know, ejected by the engine were thrown through the wing and yeah. punctured holes through the wing, and uh, that's actually um, they've actually made that into one of the um, air crash investigation programs, haven't they, Mark? Oh, have they? I yeah. haven't seen that. Yeah. now. I've I've heard that um, for the crew there, that was a major incident. They were really under the cosh trying to figure out what was going on, and they got loads of warnings all over the place. So they did a really good job. Yeah. It was. Uh, they obviously got that plant aircraft down, but that that engine was uh, a complete write-off on that aircraft. But luckily, the A three eighty's got four engines. Right. Yes. So, so they um, can afford to lose one. Uh, yeah. Is is the long and the short of it? Okay. So the next story, on which to the next is story, which a, is a top ten, which yay. is very exciting. We haven't had one for ages. No, we have not. And uh, the it's on Flight Global, uh, which is where our top tens quite often come from. And the, it is size matters. It's the ten biggest players in aerospace. Aerospace industry financial data from 2014 underscores the obvious. This industry is riding a decade-long growth wave. Uh, our ranking by 2014 revenue compiled by the aerospace expert at PwC shows that, barring a wobble during the darkest days of the financial crisis, makers of aircraft and their suppliers mostly sloshed, uh, sloshed off the downturn and then surged during an over, uh, an otherwise weak recovery. Indeed, aerospace can be said to be enjoying an economic super cycle. Here's a sneak peek. So we're going to start then, as we do always, at number ten. Indeed. So we're going to we'll do. Should we do one each? Okay. Yeah, right. we'll do. Well, one I'll tell each. you what. You and Mark, you and Mark alternate, and I'll do the. Usual okay, you do yeah, the so new. So you'll do your usual bits. I'll do usual. So, so, so anyway, in at number ten. So at number ten, it is Rolls Royce at fourteen point seven billion dollars. <laughs> After a very successful two thousand fourteen, the world's number two aero engine maker faces more than a few hurdles. Managing a sales slump while Trent 700s transition to the 7000s that will power the A330neos. Dealing with an investor calls to divest uh, marine and energy divisions and possibly raising capital to build the R&D muscle. Need to keep up with GE. Uh, number nine. And at number nine, it's... Oh, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> <laughs> That's very Thanks, mean to do that to oh, the guest. Oh, sorry. Fin Mechanica. Fin Mechanica. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. We'll go with okay, that. Let's go yeah. with that. Yeah. Fin Mechanica, $17.2 billion. Several, several years of financial mayhem look to be over, and Italy's champion is back in the black. The focus is now comfortably on aerospace and defense electronics. 
So obviously they, oh, they do Augusta Westland, do they? Yes, they, yeah. Ah, okay, okay, anyway, that makes sense at now. number eight. And at number eight, it is Safran. Uh, $18.3 billion. Ooh, as you do. Uh, joint ventures are coming good with GE, and the CFM leap is nearing completion. And with Airbus, it's go for Europe's new Ariane 6 launcher. Ooh, at number seven. At number seven, it's Raytheon, $22.8 billion. Cool. International business is solid. RAF likes Paveway, and Qatar is spending $2 billion for Patriot Air and missile defence capability. Goodness me. Number six. Uh, number six, it's Northrop Grumman at $24 billion. Partnered with Gulfstream and L3, Northrop is doing battle against Boeing and Lockheed Martin for a lucrative USAF deal uh, to replace its ageing JS TARS radar targeting fleet from 2023. Northrop is the incumbent on that programme, so there's pride and some $6.5 billion at stake. Uh, the next couple of years will determine the outcome. Actually, it's Northrop Grumman is a name we hear a lot in the military, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, at number five. It's GE Aviation, $24 billion. Last year was the first full year since GE acquired Italian engine components maker Avio in August 2013. Ooh, so mostly, mostly engines there. Yeah. <laughs> number four. At uh, number four, UTC at $36.2 billion. Selling Sikorsky helicopters to Lockheed Martin will cut $7.5 billion off the top line. Fast-growing GE may just overtake. And there's an awesome picture there. Yeah, I've, I've put it up on the old YouTube. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> real, real retro craft. That is, <laughs> it's even got a little uh, a, a sort of a, a, well, a, a carry thing underneath there for, yeah. for lifting, which is quite yeah, good. I don't like know that. quite what you put in it to lift, but uh, never mind. Yes, I'm anyway. trying, to, trying to see where his Garmin is <laughs> and his sat now, but I can't. Yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't want to stand up in the seat there, would you? <laughs> No, no, absolutely. You, you, you might be a bit short by the time they're finished. Anyway, at number three. At number three, it's Lockheed Martin, $45.6 billion. The F-35 program is stumping along while buying Sikorsky, Sikorsky from number four, UTC, rounds out a defence-focused firm. Oh, I love that picture. That <laughs> F-35 do, yeah, yeah. is so awesome. Yeah. That is, it, that, is That's, that is a really good picture as well. It is. It yeah. is. Oh, especially with the sunset in the background. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realise. I didn't realise as well. The F thirty five wingtips fold up. You see on the oh, picture there. Yeah. yeah to, to let yeah. Uh, more space. Ease of parking. Yeah. Yes, ease of parking. Indeed, exactly. Absolutely. At number two. At <laughs> uh, number two, the uh, it's Airbus uh, at eighty point six billion dollars. So another year in the number two slot for Europe's champion is no surprise. There are record uh, 1,456 commercial aircraft orders in 2014, actually topped Boeing. Like its arch rival, Airbus is to manage some key program transitions in the NEO versions of its A320 and A330. While ramping up uh, A350 output and it faces headwinds in the helicopters where its long-standing market dominance faces attack by hungry rivals and an offshore market hammered by low oil prices. Boeing's main advantage is defence, where being uh, American helps a lot. Ah, uh, yes. And finally, this one for Mark, it's number one. And number one, can it be anybody else but um, Boeing? Yeah. 90, 90.8 billion sales. As Ray Connor, boss of Boeing's dominant commercial airplanes unit, put it back in January, in the face of fierce competition, we had a strong year. We'll give you that, Ray. 
1,432 firm orders wrapped up 2014 with a record backlog, despite a truly stunning 723 deliveries. Meanwhile, the whole company turned in another record revenue performance despite a 12% downturn to $13.5 billion at defence, space and security. Though there's nothing like working from strength, Boeing does, does have some significant challenges. The KC-46, they're being watched by well-known Hawk Qatar Airways, which may launch both. Mm. Wow. That's and the picture there well. of the Dreamliner there. Yeah. And the yeah. picture there. But no surprise Boeing being top of the list, though. No, no, not really. No, that, that didn't surprise at all, is it? But so if you look, actually, if you look at the, the magazine that I get each month, Airliner World, yes. um, has like a delivery order part in the section of the magazine. It tells you the delivery orders each month from Airbus and Boeing. Really? And it's not always Boeing that sell the most aircraft each month, or, you know, deliver, no. sorry, deliver the most aircraft each but month. But they're clearly charging the most money for their products, <laughs> then, if they're at the top of the list. Well, they've got to make up for the massive um, sort of hole that was made by the uh, Dreamliner delays, yeah, I think, absolutely. money and yeah. stuff. Anyway, that is where we bring the commercial section of this week's show to an end. Uh, it is time. We're just going to have a very quick uh, tea break, uh, and I've just got to go and rig up a light because the cameras are beginning to fail as the light goes. <laughs> so uh, we will uh, be back very, very quickly, or very soon, after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we <laughs> And we're back. That was a quick break. We, I think we had a break there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we are back then to continue the next few bits of the show. So we have uh, got a segment from Pip this week, which we are going to leave till the last part of the show. Uh, Mark's got to get away soon. Yeah. So we are going to yeah, do gonna the military segment yeah. now. Yeah, just just before we bash on, uh, a couple of new people who have joined us in the chat room. So hello to Rob Rusted and also Josh and Lily. They are watching on telly at the moment. Awesome. Cool. Hello, Josh and Lily. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Uh, if we are all ready then. So we're going to do the military segment now. So if you're ready, Matt. I am, yes, very much so. And Mark, if you're ready. I am indeed. Let's go. (laughs) 
So kicking off this week's first military aviation news story then on the Flight Global site, as always. And the headline, Dutch to acquire 14 more CH-47F rotorcraft. So the Dutch Defence Ministry is to acquire 14 new Boeing CH-47F transport helicopters in an expansion of its existing rotorcraft capabilities. Recognising the Chinook's importance in missions such as deploying quick reaction forces and humanitarian assistance, the Dutch Air Force has decided to retire its 10 ageing CH-47Ds, which were delivered from 1995, and upgrading its existing 6F model examples, which entered use from 2013. The Defence Ministry initially explored the option of acquiring the new aircraft in its preferred CH-47F uh, configuration, but the budget for this exceeded the available funds. As a result, it will buy the U.S. Army's F-model Chinook during the service's second uh, multi-year procurement phase. With the aircraft to be in the Common Avionics Architecture System standard, and it intends to sign uh, a letter of offer and acceptance during December this year, with procurement to be completed via Washington's foreign military sales framework. Following their delivery from 2019, the Dutch aircraft will receive some modifications in the USA to meet the nation's operational demands and certification standards. These will include installing crash-protected seats in the cockpit and cabin and a VHF radio to enable secure communications with ground forces. Self-protection and icing detection equipment and a fast uh, insertion rope and extraction system and also an emergency locator transmitter or ELT will also be provided along with a piloting function for its forward-looking infrared system. The Netherlands' total budget for the acquisition is 915 million euros, or $1 billion, which also includes the cost of modernising the six current CH-47Fs to the same standard. Now, Matt, you've seen one of these before, Mm. haven't you, the Chinooks? I have, yeah. yeah. um, I I love them. I think they're incredible bits of kit. Uh, Just uh, stick that on the YouTube now. They are... are, Who hasn't seen a Chinook? I don't know why I'm bothering to do that, but yes... (laughs) One of, one of my lucky events, Mark, was being uh, was landing on 2-7 at the airfield where I'm learning to fly and having a Chinook flying uh, parallel to me oh, wow. uh, on the on the opposite side of the field. At, wow, uh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, he was, I was at 1,000 feet, he was at 500, so he was Ooh. just below me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, quite a, nice. quite, a, quite a nice view from yeah, uh, where okay. I was sitting, definitely. Yeah. So oh, is, yeah. is, is there much military activity and where you fly? Oh yeah, mm, yeah, all over the definitely. place. Definitely, yeah. um, we've got the loads of Apache AH-64Ds flying around here. Uh, the Chinooks, obviously. Uh, we get the occasional Osprey V-22 Osprey flying over, mm-hmm. uh, which you can't miss. But there is a lot of, especially because where I live is right close to a very uh, quite a big valley, so the aircraft tend uh, to use it for training kind mm. of missions and stuff. Absolutely. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So next story. Indeed, yes, yes, the next story. And this is on Flight Global again. And uh, the the headline is experts. USAF needs more than 80 to 100 new bombers. A former commander of the USAF's bomber force says that 80 to 100 new long-range strike bombers are not enough uh, to uh, meet uh, American national security objectives. And the service should consider buying more to rejuvenate its withering combat fleet of Boeing B-1s and B-52s. In his testimony to Congress uh, on the 9th of September, uh, Lieutenant General um, uh, Robert Elder 
who directed the 8th Air Force before his retirement, said that the production target released by the Air Force is too few, even though the new aircraft will be more capable. Our capabilities are withering and we have less than 100 combat-ready bombers with an average age of 38 years, he told the members of the House of Armed Services Committee. The newer B-52s remain potent, but uh, are few in numbers and my belief, quite frankly, is that the 80-100 to craft is not going to be enough to replace the B-1 and the B-52 fleet, even though its capability uh, against the target set will be greater. He says there needs to be more aircraft to satisfy the number of uh, rotational commitments uh, currently being experienced. The view was uh, seconded by two other witnesses, Washington defence uh, analysts Mark Gunster, and of who was of the Centre of Strategic and Budgetary Assessments, and Rebecca Grant, president of IRIS, that's the Independent Research um, Organisation, uh, the witnesses and some other members of Congress also stated the Air Force should speed up the procurement and beat the current 2030 full operational uh, capability date. The quantity and schedule concerns come as the Air Force prepares to award a bomber deployment uh, development contract sorry, to, other Northrop, to either Northrop Grumman or a Boeing Lockheed Martin team. It also comes one week after the Air Force stated that the competing bomber designs are more technological mature, technologically mature and deliverable deliverable than previously disclosed so mark just quickly um do you uh, do you know what date these uh, the b52 first uh, entered service off the top oh, of your head oh now you're you're getting me there it is it have a guess f- f- 50s yeah it was uh, they introduced it in the service in 1955 wow so yeah because i think i remember reading something that they're thinking they might even last a hundred years. Some of them. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's still a lot of these stored in the uh, in those in the, the des- desert yeah. sort of bases, all stored and covered up in that, which they're not even using. So yeah, yeah, it's an amazing airplane. It, if, it's got eight engines, doesn't it? Yeah, mm, that has, it yeah. has. Yeah. If you want to buy one, Mark, uh, you can pick one of the latest H versions <laughs> up for uh, fifty-three point four uh, million oh cheap at half the price i'll take two (laughs) absolutely quite right (laughs) anyway on to the next story then mark okay the next story is uh from flight global again u.s-based german tornadoes receive life extending upgrades deliveries of upgraded panavia tornadoes tornadoes to the german air force's training wing at holloman air force base in new mexico are now underway with five modified examples from the 15 aircraft based in the USA having been delivered to date. Under the avionics system software Tornado ADA 3.0 upgrade (laughs) program, the Air Force's fleet of tornadoes are receiving new avionics, radios, and digital video and voice recorders, plus integrated laser joint direct attack munitions, with work carried out by Airbus Defense and Space. The first delivery of the modified tornado to the Air Force in Germany was made in 2012, and now the overseas training wing is receiving its share of the upgraded type, with deliveries expected to be completed next year. The first two were delivered earlier in 2015, with three more exchanged in early September at a swap point in Maine, USA. Last week was very successful. There were no problems, and we were done within two days, Lieutenant Colonel Thorsten Weber commander of the German Air Force Logistics Group at Holloman Air Force Base, told media at a briefing at the base on 9th of September, the Air Force will only upgrade 85 tornadoes to the latest ASSTA standard, 
15 in which are stationed at Holloman. Of the latter, six are trainers and nine interdictor strike standard aircraft. I have to say, I love the tornado. I yeah. always have. It's, it's a gorgeous looking airplane. These and I are, love the way they described that there. They had a, a swap point. They swapped planes. <laughs> As you do. As you do. As you do. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one plane for two of your cars or something. It's like, like top that, trumps you know? of aircraft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but th- these are another aircraft we get fly over here quite a lot mm. as well, Mark. I expect you probably you probably mm. get some. I'd imagine you're over Ireland. I'd imagine these. No, no, we wouldn't no? see anything like that over no. here. No, okay. no, no. We we see a few uh, turboprop um, Pilatuses. Okay, that's about it. We PC don't have Pilatus, any of yeah. these type of fighters now over here. So you know, if I saw one of these, gosh, I'd be running after it down the road. Tornado first introduced into service, Mark, in 1979. God. Wow, hmm. that is wow. incredible. Yeah, because yeah, I seem to remember it from my childhood. I seem to remember it as being a like. I think I had a model of it when I was a child, and and the wings swept back and everything. Oh, it's yeah. just, it was the coolest thing ever. And they're noisy, absolutely very noisy. Yes, yeah. 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 Along the same theme, actually, what we were covering now. Next one with you, Carl. On flight global and the headline: USAF needs 174 new bombers to replace geriatric force. So the U.S. Air Force needs at least 120 combat-coded next-generation bombers and another 54 for test training and attrition reserve, which is far more than the 80 to 100 the service intends to buy, according to retired Lieutenant General David Deptula, Dean of the Air Force Association Mitchell Institute. During the release of his Beyond the Bomber report uh, on the 10th of September, Deptula said, based on the current national security strategy, the Air Force requires at least 12 long-range sensor shooters per aerospace expeditionary force, of uh, which there are 10 today. The service then needs approximately 24 more aircraft for test and training activities at home, and about another 30 aircraft are required as backup inventory to replace combat losses, justifying a 174 bomber production run. If you're going to buy less than you're going to have to accept the risk that comes with it, he says, understand we might not get that number, but I'm giving you that as a logical and valid number based on a military requirement that ties directly to our national security strategy. And uh, it goes on. They've got some pictures here on this site of the B-52. And that's actually quite a good picture. You've got the B-52 with one flying behind it with its armament on display as well. On that picture and that can, there, you can carry all that in one. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, for those of you in the UK listening um, to us, uh, you can go to uh, Duxford Aviation Museum in Cambridge, the yes. Imperial War Museum, and wow. you can see one of these in the hangar. Wow, awesome! Oh, so moving on. Yes, indeed. Yes, and uh, this is the our last final story. story in the military section. I should just say apologies to everyone watching on, on the internet. It has now basically gone dark, so we are oh, running we on dark. laptop screens and, okay. and all sorts, so the, the, the cameras are, are failing a little bit. But anyway, the final story is the United States Air Force approves production of Rolls-Royce T-56 Series 3.5 upgrade. Uh, Rolls-Royce's eight-year journey to develop the T-56 Series 3.5 engine upgrade package for legacy C-130 aircraft is about to bear full fruit following the U.S. Air Force's milestone C decision last week to commit the programme to production and deployment. 
Tom Hartman, Senior Vice President of Customer Business for Rolls-Royce Defence, expects to be on contract with the Air Force for an initial 14 upgrade kits this month and another order of 36 is expected in the fiscal year 2016. The initial contract is valued at $38 million and is uh, and is the start of what could be a long-running engine improvement programme. It also helps Rolls-Royce as the company pitches the Series 3.5 upgrade to the global C-130 market, with well over 400 legacy Hercules still in service. The USAF is by far the largest customer with a fleet of over 200 legacy C-130s. They expect a $2 billion saving between the fuel and the life expansion maintenance improvements, Hartman said in a September 9th conference call. Uh, We've been waiting for the USAF to declare the milestone C so that the other air forces know that the USAF is fully on board. Uh, The enhancement is installed as part of a routine engine overhaul and the Air Force plans on completing that depot work separately. The uh, main improvements relate to the compressor inlet housing, wheel knife seals, compressor blades as well as new turbine blades and vanes resulting in a 10% fuel saving and increased engine reliability. In August the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's first WP 3D Hurricane Hunter aircraft equipped with the series 3.5 package was well tasked to monitor Hurricane Danny with, uh, within the Caribbean and the flight further validated results from an initial flight in June. They got significant fuel savings which turns into a longer time on station for them, says Hartman. The, the mission went from uh, about 8 to 10 hours. That's quite a jump, isn't it? Yeah, the aircraft at, uh, just quickly before, uh, before we yeah. lose Mark, because yep. he's got to get away, the, the aircraft that you're talking about there, the WP-3D Orion, and uh, actually it was introduced into service the year that we were born, oh, at 1976. 1976. Yeah. Um, and uh, they obviously use these for oceanic and atmospheric administration and stuff, and for um, for obviously surveillance type, type bits and pieces. But it's a really great. I've seen one of these at Riyadh last year. Absolutely, uh, the P3 Orion, fantastic <laughs> aircraft. Um, have you seen one of these, Mark? Uh, I haven't seen them face to face, but I've seen them seen them on the net. All right, yeah, it's yeah. uh, great news for Royals, Rolls Royce. All right, oh yeah, really definitely. Good. Yeah, no, yeah. it's good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's time to say goodbye to you. Yes, Mark. we need to let you get away, Mark, because yeah. you've, uh, yes. you've got Thank things you to do. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, no, thank you very no. much for having me on. Absolutely, and the pleasure is all ours, Mark. Yeah. I can assure you of that. Yeah. And we must do this again very soon. Absolutely. Just before and, you and go, just, just to say, oh. just to say to you as well, just keep up the good work. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You're like you're you're like clockwork. Every week a podcast comes in, and it's fantastic. So I. I'm really impressed, guys. So just keep up the good work. Well oh, done. Thanks, Actually, Mark. on that note, we've got a couple of questions from we the chat have. room, if that's okay. Uh, just Pilot Pip has asked, uh, Pilot Pip, who does our the segment legend, on our yes. show, the legend that is, Pilot Pip, uh, he's yep. asked, he's missing, like I said to you earlier, uh, Mark, we're, he's missing the Maiden Flight podcast. Yeah. Is it on the way back soon? Oh, well, it has to be now, doesn't it? Yeah, very much. Yeah. No pressure at all, yeah. <laughs> boom, 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 no boom. pressure. Like, Pilot Pip is looking for an episode. Pilot absolutely. Pip has to get an episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. What yeah. he needs. Yeah. Yes, yes, he needs exactly, it in his life. Yeah. As do we all, actually, because yeah. uh, you, you'll see in the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to run a bit of a segment, because obviously I don't know anywhere near about as much as yeah. aviation as I should do, and I'm, I'm trying to uh, evolve. And one of the podcasts, actually, from one of our listeners, Mark, was that I was recommended to listen to yours, which I did. And unfortunately, I munched through what was available to me very very quickly so yes uh, we oh, all right. need we all need um <laughs> we miss to, you Mark. yeah 
we do very much miss you oh, on the yeah. circuit, so make sure you get some out there. You know, no pressure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Yes, I will. No pressure, but I will. Excellent. Right. Excellent. Can't wait. So from uh, from me, Mark. Thanks ever so much for joining yep. us this evening. Uh, you're a legend as always for uh, coming, you know, taking the time out of your time to uh, come on, come on the show. Yeah. So thank you. No, no problem at all, guys. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. it was great fun. Pleasure. Anyway, and thank you. don't forget before you go, Mark. Just tell the uh, listeners where they can find your wonderful show. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's on iTunes. So if you just search for Maiden Flight Podcast, or you can go to the website maidenflightpodcast.com and and you can follow me on Twitter as well. My Twitter handle is Mark is Flying, Three. all one word. Yay! So, so follow him on Twitter. I do. Fantastic. Yeah, so there you as, go. as do I. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, all cool. the best, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Right. Thanks we'll a lot, guys. Take, Take care. Take care. Bye. 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 Okay, time then, please, to uh, do it. It, it. On that note, it is pilot pip time. And, it is, uh, yeah. Let us let us get his latest instalment in. What what are the details on the on the? Uh so Pip has done a segment for us this week then which kind of relates to uh, the story that happened earlier this week with the mm. BA flight oh right yeah um, so Pip started I haven't had a chance to listen to it nope. again this gonna, week because I've been very busy indeed. but we're going to um, listen to it together he, do, he does he does put the titles on so it does, so it does helps he me a lot yeah. that's very good of him yes he's learned <laughs> so we're going to play Pilot Pip's segment yeah, for absolutely. you right now and now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hi everyone, it's Pip here. Now I'm sure the guys have already spoken in this episode about the BA-777 and the engine fire and subsequent evacuation in Las Vegas earlier this week. I'm sure we all saw the the news footage and the uh, ATC audio. Impressive stuff, I think. Uh, So I thought I would give you a little segment on evacuations, just a few random thoughts. Now, the news was full of headlines like hero pilots and uh, full of praise and admiration for the for the pilots and the job they did. And that's fair enough. It was certainly a very nicely handled emergency. But really, the praise has to go to the cabin crew. When it comes to evacuations, they really are the experts. They're the ones who manage the evacuation. They're the people there organising and shepherding people about and really keeping control of the evacuation. For the pilots, it's a, their involvement is relatively minor. Uh, once the decision has been made to evacuate, they'll or the commander will give the, the order. Sometimes they use a code word, uh, sometimes not. And then it's really down to the cabin crew to oversee and manage the evacuation. And when you're talking like an aircraft, like a 777, with several hundred people on board... That's quite an operation to oversee, as I'm sure you can imagine. So really, as I say, the praise very much goes to the cabin crew, and they know what they're doing. And really, a very large part of their training, their initial training, their recurrent training, is focusing on evacuations from uh, different scenarios, from ditching, uh, you know, water evacuations, land evacuations, smoke drills. And, you know, as as pilots, we we do have a go at this, but uh, as, as I say, really the cabin crew who focus a lot of their energy on this now i've certainly several times practiced smoke evacuation drills in a in a darkened uh, simulator an old fuselage they turn all, out all the lights fill it with smoke and you'll be amazed at how difficult an environment that is to work in the visibility can be absolutely zero you can't see your hand in front of your face so you have to feel your way around uh, hands and knees sometimes to get to the door so you can imagine that with 200 people panicking, trying to get out. A very difficult thing to achieve. 
So well done, the cabin crew. So what sort of things do the crew need to bear in mind when managing an evacuation? Well, of course, the situation depends enormously uh, on, on what you're dealing with, a water uh, ditching, an evacuation in sea, or fire, or something else. And you can kind of split it down a little bit into two categories. You can have planned emergencies and planned evacuations and unplanned uh, evacuations. Now, I suppose to a certain extent, all emergencies are, are unplanned. You don't take off planning to have an emergency. But what I mean by planned emergency, sometimes a situation may give you time enough to to brief passengers to consider what you're going to do to come up with a plan, whereas at other times an unplanned, like in this BA thing, things happen very quickly and you don't have time to uh, communicate with a captain or with the pilots or communicate with each other. You just have to fall back instantly on your training and put into action a pre-rehearsed plan. So this BA uh, 777 in Las Vegas was very much an example of an unplanned emergency. So they had a, a, a fire, pretty serious fire. The aircraft was uh, aborted at high speed, and fairly quickly the decision came down from the captain to evacuate. Now, do you need to wait for the captain to give the order? Well, yes and no. Uh, usual standard procedure would be the captain or, or whoever's in the cockpit gives the order, evacuate, evacuate. But you can certainly imagine a situation where you could be hanging around a very long time for that order. Let's say the pilots are incapacitated or, or dead, perhaps, following a crash. So the order, perhaps, is never going to come. So as cabin crew, you're certainly empowered to make the decision yourself. If it's obvious an evacuation is, is required, then certainly the cabin crew have the authority to go ahead and initiate that. Now, on an aircraft like a 777, you have many exits, I think probably or at least six or eight emergency exits, and the idea of an evacuation is to utilise all available exits. And I'll emphasise the word available, and we'll come back to that later. And, and the planning for this really starts even before the flight with the, the pre-flight, the safety briefing, the, the obligatory safety announcement at the start of the flight. You know that one that you'll put your headphones in and ignore. Well, you really shouldn't, and, and certainly I try not to. Um, and, you know, I do have the same feelings that a lot of passengers have, that you've heard this same briefing a thousand times before. And these days, when we're travelling, chances are you're either on a Boeing or on an Airbus, and they're all very much of a muchness. The, the uh, procedures are, are pretty similar, the, all the exits work in very much the same way. But, of course, that wasn't always the case. Going back a few decades, we had so many more varieties of aircraft, and procedures were different. But you never know, you still might end up on something that's just a little bit unfamiliar. So it's definitely worth just taking those couple of minutes just to take your headphones out and pay attention to the safety brief. And more than anything, it's just, a, I think, a, a courtesy. There's nothing worse when you're trying to talk to someone and it's obvious they're not even listening to you. But there's a little more going on than just the cabin crew giving that uh, safety announcement or that pre-recorded safety briefing. Uh, they'll be having a look around as well to see to see what they've got to work with. Now, you'll all be familiar with the, the emergency exit rows. I'm sure if you've ever sat in one of those before, that you'll remember that one of the members of the cabin crew will come along just before the flight and give you a little individual briefing on how the emergency exits work, or at least ask you to read the little pamphlet on how it works. And that's important because the cabin crew need to make sure that those emergency exit rows are occupied by what we call able-bodied passengers. And that means we need to ensure that whoever's sitting in those exit rows are capable 
of opening them and using them correctly in the event of an emergency. So what a member of the cabin crew will do, they'll come round and they'll probably do a, give you the quick once up and down just to assess to see if you're a able physically, you know, uh, with the greatest respect, someone in a wheelchair is not an appropriate person to put in an emergency exit row. Or perhaps someone with, with learning difficulties is not uh, an appropriate person to, to rely on in an emergency. So we need to make sure that those emergency rows next to the exits are occupied by people who you can you would hope you can rely on uh, if you need to get out. Now, of course, ideally, uh, in the event of an emergency, you'll have a member of cabin crew stationed at each exit to, to manage the people and get them out. But it may be the case that there isn't any cabin crew or not enough cabin crew left at that point to do so. So that's another reason to have a, an able-bodied passenger close by to the exit. Now, as a cabin crew member, or as anyone managing a, an emergency on an aircraft, you need to have a little bit of a, a split personality. Now, we're all very familiar with the nice, pleasant uh, cabin crew staff, the boys and girls, when they come through and offer you your tea and your coffee and your drinks and your duty-free and uh, your scratch cards and all the rest of it. All very nice. But when the time comes you need to switch personalities from that nice pleasant person and become almost a little bit aggressive and very certainly very authoritative and very uh, determined so you know when we're looking at an evacuation the please and the thank yous and the would you minds and the could you possibly do this for me that goes out the window that's not the time for pleasantries so if the evacuation is ordered that's the time to switch to evil cabin crew so be very direct, use short, very concise sentences like come this way, leave bags behind, use this exit. And remember, of course, that not all your passengers will be speaking the same language. So if you can keep it short and simple, well, that's very important. And one of the first jobs that the cabin crew are going to have to do when uh, the emergency happens or the evacuation is ordered is to assess the situation and assess which exits are usable and available. I mentioned that earlier. It's important that you choose the right exits and any exits that are not going to be in use, then you're going to need to make sure that they're, they're guarded. So, for instance, with this 777, there was a, a pretty severe fire from the engine right by at least one of the exits. And you will notice that that, that exit stayed firmly closed. It's no good with a fire like that to, to open the exit and have uh, 50 passengers jump out straight into the fire. That wouldn't go down very well at all. So once you've chosen your exits and got them open, you then want to get a pretty steady flow of passengers going out that door. Uh, in our manuals at Safe Jets, it's, uh, it, I seem to remember it quoting something like aim for a passenger a second, which, you know, uh, on a big aircraft like a 777 or even bigger, imagine a 380 with 500 people on board. It's going to take some time to evacuate that. And uh, it's a, a known fact that, and probably common sense, you'd agree that uh, passengers will sort of dilly-dally and take their time if it's not immediately obvious to them what the problem is. With the case of the 777, I'm sure the passengers would have been fairly worked up with all that smoke and they could have seen immediately that there was a fire and natural human instinct kicks in and you want to get out as quickly as possible. So in those situations, you may well have a mad rush of people trying to get to the exits. In other cases where it's not so obvious what the problem is, you may well have people taking their time or not even getting up. So again, it's important for the cabin crew or whoever's managing the evacuation to be very firm and very direct and tell them exactly what needs to be done. So open seatbelts, come this way. But even so, 
with a fire event like this 777 in Las Vegas is still astonishing how many people managed to exit the aircraft with their bags. And not just little bags, but great big flipping suitcases. I was shocked. Now, the guidance we have in our uh, emergency manuals at SafeJets, uh, it says something to the effect of if people are carrying small bags, you know, briefcases, handbags, etc. Well, don't waste too much time with that. If, if they've got those sorts of things with them, then leave them be, as long as they're not holding anyone up or delaying the, the evacuation of the aircraft. But certainly if someone's got a, a whacking great trolley case that they're trying to get out from the overhead bin and drag down the aisle, well, that's not on. And I think if I was standing at the top of an aircraft, I would very firmly remove that bit of baggage from them. But again, I don't know what uh, the cabin crew are the experts here, so I don't know exactly what uh, the guidance is when people are coming down the chutes with great big trolleys like that. But still, it's beggar's belief that people take the time, especially when a cabin is filling full of smoke and it's obvious that the, the damn aircraft's on fire, that people take the time to remove their great big trolleys and take them with them. You know, what's so important in that bag? And now, of course, the the authority or the, the responsibility of the cabin crew or the, the crew in general doesn't stop there on the aircraft. You've still got potentially now 200 people wandering around outside on the tarmac, outside the aircraft. So crowd control now becomes an important part of the evacuation. You've got everyone off, but now you need to make sure you they're under control outside. The last thing you want is people wandering back up to go and retrieve that suitcase that they forgot. So again, the same rules apply out on the ground. Once everyone's out, you need to gather the passengers and shepherd them appropriately again this depends very much on the situation if you've got a fire well people generally will be running away from the aircraft as we saw in las vegas if you've just ditched on a desert island somewhere then you may have a, a slightly more uh, long-term responsibility to uh, gather the passengers to start reassuring uh, administering first aid and it's important to mingle with the passengers it would be very unprofessional for the crew to sort of isolate themselves in one little group and let the passengers get on with it because they're likely to hurt themselves and it's the crew's responsibility to manage the passengers until such a time as they're relieved by an appropriate person from the emergency services and that's a an official handover someone from the emergency services should come along and say right we now have control of the situation um so what's the, the the pilots, the captain, the first officer doing at this point? Well, of course, they've got their own things to do. They'll be securing the aircraft. They'll be communicating with ATC and not just issuing a mayday call. They may well be talking to the fire services on the radio, telling them what side of the aircraft's on fire or, you know, where the problem is. And again, the, the situation is very varied. It could be a case of issue the mayday, issue the evacuation and get out of there as quickly as possible. In a planned emergency with a little bit more time, then you need to communicate with uh, with the cabin crew and let them know what's going on so they in turn can, can manage the, the situation in the back. And I'll just finish off with a, just a little mnemonic that we use for communicating with, with cabin crew. And it's called a NITS briefing. N-I-T-S, NITS. Now this can be a very direct, very short 15-second briefing if you've only got a few seconds and you just need to get over what's going on. Or it can be a slightly longer, more involved thing if you've got the time. But a NITS. N stands for nature. So what's the problem? We've got a fire. We're ditching the aircraft in the water. I, intentions. We're going to evacuate the aircraft. T is for time. We're going to be ditching in five minutes or we're going to be 
evacuating the aircraft as soon as we've stopped on the runway. And then S is for any specials. So uh, S, the specials, the, the, the rear door on the right-hand side is unserviceable, so don't use that one, that sort of thing. So that's a NITS briefing, and that's what we as, as, a, as pilots would use to, to brief quickly the cabin crew. And they then in turn have hopefully got a fuller picture and can manage uh, the emergency themselves. So I think that's it for this little segment. I've uh, rambled on a good deal longer than I thought I would. So just remember, next time you're on an airplane, do pay attention to that safety briefing. Familiarise yourself with the seatbelts. If you're in the emergency exit row, well, then just take a second to read the instructions and just take a second, close your eyes and, and think what you might do in the event of a rapid uh, evacuation. How far away are, are you from the exits? How many rows are you going to have to count before you get to the exit? Uh, are you dressed appropriately for an evacuation? Uh, no good wearing your, your sandals and uh, Hawaiian T-shirts in the middle of winter just to get out of the aircraft and, and freeze to death there in the snow. So lots of things to think about. So uh, take care, everyone. Hand it back over to the guys in the studio, and I'll see you again next week. Bye. Ah, thank you for that, Pip. As yeah. always, the legend that is rambling on. Honestly, what's he like? <laughs> He's not he does rambling anything at all. But ramble. Uh, uh, he, he done well actually to get because yeah. he he did um, literally like you know do that very quickly for yeah. us. Yeah. Very uh, topical this week. As well, so very topical. Always, well yeah, done, well Pip. Done. Well yeah. done. Um, don't forget, you can find uh, Captain uh, Pip there, Pilot Pip. Yep. Uh, over at uh, the Plane Safety Podcast, you can find him on iTunes, Plane Safety Podcast. Uh, look for his show on there. Yep. Yeah, um, www.planesafetypodcast.com. Yeah, he's um, he's released his React episodes. If you go on to there, you mm. can download his latest episode Absolutely. with all the React interviews. Indeed, yeah, to get in touch with us here in the studio, uh, you've got lots of ways of doing that. Uh, the main way is www.planetalkinguk.com. That obviously is our website. Click on the contact button, and then you can send us an email straight to us here in the studio. Uh, you can also use a podcast at planetalkinguk.com. Dot com. Uh, Facebook obviously is facebook.com forward slash plain talking UK and our Twitter handle is at plain talking UK. Mark, who we had on earlier, that's the uh, Maiden Flight podcast. To get to his website, it is www.maidenflightpodcast. That's maiden spelt M A I D E N flightpodcast.com. Yep, download his show and uh, you'll enjoy them. I guarantee you will. Yeah, um, absolutely. He put, so he's put out a great show. Hopefully he'll be I back again with a new episode. Forever. It's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just very soothing. It's awesome. So before we go then, we're going to say a quick thank you then to all the listeners who joined us in the chat room live at the show tonight. So hello, firstly to Matty Fab. Hello to you. Thanks for joining us. Tony S as well. Hello to you, Tony in Teesside there again. Masha Gertz, thanks for joining us there in the Netherlands. Yeah. And scrolling down the list here, we had Jennifer Parkinson, uh, Jenny Parkinson, who uh, was one of our T-shirt wearers, um, who was listening. She she's she went a minute ago. She's she's in uh, yes, Italy, so do. she's uh, yeah. she's gone to have her tea in Italy. And also we've got Rob, uh, the guy who does the voice for our yeah. um, opening intro. He's also going to do some more bits for us, hopefully. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so some consider your, mark, your card marked there, Rob. Well, I, yes. need, I need some more stingers. We need some more stingers, <laughs> yes, yes. So thanks all you guys for joining us in the chat room. Yeah. As always, you are all, uh, you're all legends then. And thanks Very for so. Yeah, thanks for being yeah. in there. 
So that is that. That is where we bring episode number fifty. Uh, no, fifty no, number <laughs> seventy-seven. At number seventy-seven <laughs> to a close uh, from a now very dark conservatory studio. Yeah. It's goodbye from Matt. And from a really dark uh, conservatory studio <laughs> with the computer light shining in me here, <laughs> it is a goodbye for me. Don't forget to join us next week for episode 78. We'll be back in the kitchen studio next yes, week. Probably, yes. Uh, hopefully doing a live show again. Yep. And uh, we'll have loads more news. So join us in the chat room on YouTube. Look out for the links on Facebook page. Yep. And that's it then. Take care, guys and girls. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.